Aujourd'hui sur Lockdown Ducks Hockey, les Ducks gagnés à Ottawa, nous ouvrons le sac postal et une entrevue avec Laura Saba. Tout cela sur le hockey, Lockdown Ducks d'aujourd'hui, votre équipe tous les jours. Bonjour, comment ça va? Ça va très bien. Bienvenue sur Lockdown Ducks, votre podcast quotidien couvrant les Ducks. All right, I'm going to stop. Uh, don't forget, you'll get fresh daily content Monday through Friday about the OC's hockey team. Why am I speaking in French? We'll find out later because we're going to preview Thursday night's game at Centre Bell with Laura Saba. But before we get into the show, you can hear this podcast or any of the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or look manually on Apple or Google Podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe if you have not already. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks, or follow me personally at StimpyJD. So keep checking those tweets. How weird must it have been to introduce that show in French, huh? Well... The Ducks are in that part of Canada where they do speak quite a bit of French. And we're going to start with last night's game at Ottawa. They were playing the Sens. Yeah, the Senators and the Ducks are battling for 27th place in the NHL. Oh my goodness. We kick it off in the first period where Nick Ritchie got his fifth goal of the season on a pretty nice pass from Hampus Lindholm. Actually, this was a tip-in. So Hampus shot it from the blue line and it was Nick Ritchie that tipped it in right in front of the net to make it one nothing Anaheim Ducks. It would have been 1-1 sends on a shot from Kachuk, but the puck went just off sides, and Coach Dallas Eakins was correct to use his coach's challenge to wave off the goal. So it was still one nothing Anaheim at the end of one period. Going into the second period, it was Batherson who got his second of the season on really a nice shot from about... Close near the point. So Batherson gets his second of the season on the power play to make it a 1-1 tie and give Pajot and Riley the assists on that one. Then we go later in the second period with about six and a half minutes left and kind of a wacky play. A Sam Steele stole the puck from the Senators. He actually got a very clean steal, passed it off to a streaking Max Jones. Max Jones just missed the net, but it bounced off the end boards, off the back, and it went right to Andra Kasha. Kasha put it away as it was just to the left of the goal mouth. Kasha tipped it in, his seventh of the season, to make it 2-1 to one Anaheim Ducks. So great job by Andra to just stay with the play. He kept the puck right in front of him and stayed within himself to create that goal opportunity, which he did. So that made it 2-1 Anaheim. Then in the third period, with about 16 minutes left, on another power play for Ottawa, Ottoman Nisimov got his 10th goal of the season on a very nice tip-in where um, Riley and White got the passes, passed it right in front of the goal, and Anisimov was right there wide open to tip it in roof to tie the game up at two goals apiece. So then we'd go into overtime. In overtime, you know, there were some great opportunities on both sides. Anaheim got one off the post that could have ended the game. A lot of back and forth, a lot of great action, but it would remain tied at two goals apiece going into the shootout. Yeah, the shootout was a lot of fun to watch. It started off with Andre Kasha, who had scored a goal previously in the game. Kasha was first, and he was going in deep. I mean, really, really deep on Marcus Hogberg. Uh, Hogberg was the starting goalie for Ottawa on this game. And Kasha 
streaked in, went forehand, backhand, then roofed it to make a good goal and to put the Ducks up one nothing in the shootout. That was a filthy, sick goal by Andre Kasha on that one. He kind of slowed up a bit, went forehand for a long time, then kind of faked slightly to his right, went forehand, backhand, did a nice little hitch step, and just roofed it up top to lead the shootout. Then it was Danny Batherson. Batherson got the shot for Ottawa, and he was streaking in, but there was John Gibson to poke check it away. That was an excellent, excellent poke check by Gibby on that one. Then it was Jakob Silferberg. He was a second man up for Anaheim, and he just, just missed the net, maybe a foot off. He had the he had the goalie beat. He had Hogberg beat, but Silferberg just missed it. So actually, Hogberg may have gotten a slight piece of it as well. But either way, no goal for the Ducks. So then we went to Anthony Duclair, who had a nice wrister, but it was a great save by Gibson. So then we go into the last man for the Ducks, which was Ricard Raquel. He needed to score in order to secure the win for the Ducks. And Raquel went over to his right and had a slow kind of shot. He slowed up tremendously, got the puck right in between Holberg's legs, Nice little five-hole shot to win the game for the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim would go on to win the game 3-2 to two in a shootout and vault ahead of Ottawa in the standings. I know Ducks fans are going to be slightly upset. Those that are Team Tank, they're going to be slightly upset because the Ducks have won five of their last seven games. What is going on with Anaheim? They're just simply beating teams that are worse than them, that's all. So with that, Anaheim climbs ever much closer to the San Jose Sharks in the standings. Although, what good is that going to do right now in this point of the season? Just keeping it honest. With two months to go, Anaheim is still a ways out from any chance at a playoff spot. As far as statistics, shots on goal. Ottawa led that 32-28. to uh, Ottawa dominated shots on goal for most of the game. They outshot the Ducks 9-3 in the first period. Ottawa was lucky that they even came back because Anaheim had some great high danger chances. So credit to Ottawa for really sticking with the game and making that nice little comeback. As far as the power play goes, Anaheim came into the game 29th in power play. Behind them was Ottawa and Detroit. Anaheim was 0 for 3 on the power play, putting them at 14.3%, just below Detroit. Ottawa scored, scored their only two goals both on the power play. Ottawa was 2 for 5 on the power play, and that included a 4-minute penalty in the first. So what does that mean? Ottawa just pulled ahead of both Detroit and Anaheim. Anaheim vaults all the way down to 31st place in the National Hockey League in power play percentage. That is good enough for last place. However, the Ducks still get the win nonetheless, 3-2 to two in a shootout, their next game takes place Thursday at Santa Bell, and we're going to begin to preview that game later as we have Laura Saba join us on Locked on Ducks. Before we head into the first intermission, I want to tell you how we can get your business on this very podcast. If you've been a listener of Locked on Ducks, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked on to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked on Ducks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ducks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. 
If your company wants to connect with passionate Ducks fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to double three treble seven. Once again, advertising to three three seven 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 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. How do you like our new music package, by the way? I kind of like this one myself. Uh, We're going to open up the mailbag. I know I've not done this much this season. However, I put out a tweet last night asking for any and all questions, which I put on the LO underscore Ducks Twitter and also on my own personal Twitter. And I got some pretty interesting questions there, and I think I'm going to answer them right now. And we'll begin with a question that I got early yesterday uh from this is from george hoekstra who's hooked on photo oh i like that i like that tag right there uh so george asks what ducks player would be the best pitching prospect and why he obviously heard the crossover with locked on angels i thank you george for listening to both the angels and ducks podcast so i answered yesterday this is tough maybe nick delorier with the height and we know he can throw punches but can he throw heat And I mean this. I don't think he'd be afraid to throw inside either. He's kind of got that mean streak going for him. I think he would throw inside if necessary. So Nick Delorier is one of my answers. Another answer, you know, generally you want your pitchers to be tall in height. You know, generally some of the best pitchers are a little bit taller. Look no further than Randy Johnson, who was 6'10". So I went to the tallest Anaheim Duck, and that would go to Eric Goodbranson. The 6'5 defenseman slash forward sometimes. Eric Goodbranson would be another solid pitching prospect. He's got the height. Uh, he's got some, he got pretty good arms. He's got some pretty soft hands when he needs it. You know, Goodbranson, he did tie his career high in goals this season. So I would say Delorier and Goodbranson, I think, would make the best pitching prospects. Another question I got on email and I'm sure I got this one after the game. Actually, I did. I got this after the Ottawa game last night. And it simply says, oh, this is from Eric, by the way. So I guess the Ducks aren't tanking anymore. <laughs> it, it appears not. I mean, the Ducks are not team tank. If they're winning this many games in a short time period, you know, five of seven, maybe they're not tanking. Maybe they believe that they can get a run going. I know it is hockey. You never know. The Ducks could go on a run. They could win their next three on the road. You know, they got Montreal. They got Toronto. They got Buffalo. All of those are winnable games. And then when the Ducks come home after that, I mean, the Ducks have St. Louis, a tough team, Calgary, a tough team, you know, but this road trip, it's very possible the Ducks could get even six points on this road trip. You just never know. I mean, Gibson could get hot. Miller could get hot. So maybe it's not team tank. It might be in the best interest to get a better lottery pick. 
But as of right now, it appears that they're not doing that right now. <laughs> so thanks for that question. <laughs> oh, man. That one kind of just made me laugh a little bit because I, for a long time, thought that the Ducks went on this long streak. They hadn't won two in a row up until recently. So I thought they were, or it would appear so, even though I, I'm sure no team really wants to tank. Uh, this next question comes from Carly from at Carly Brie A. And she just had a two word question. And I kind of laughed at this one. Kings, why? <laughs> yeah, what's going on with the Kings? And I just answered, I don't know, because of bad contracts, because aging core. I mean, the core is aging. You know, Jeff Carter's getting older. Dustin Brown's getting older. Jonathan Quick is slowing down. I don't know what's going on with the Kings there. I mean, I put at least the Kings got two cups out of it. But when I talk about bad contracts, there's one specific contract that the Kings made recently that I can point to, and that is Ilya Kovalchuk. The moment that contract was put out and released, I said, this is going to blow up in the Kings' face. Just watch. And sure enough, it has. And we're going to talk about Ilya Kovalchuk later on this podcast because he uh, he silenced the crowd at Prudential Arena or Prudential Center last night. He really silenced the New Jersey fans. And I have to admit this, it was kind of beautiful to watch. So that's the King's why question there. Uh, one more question, and this comes from my buddy DC Lundberg over at Locked on Mariners. So be sure to give him a listen at Locked on Mariners. He puts on a fantastic show. And today's Wednesday. He's got his version of the baseball game show. So be sure to check that out. So this is from at DC underscore Lundberg. Two questions. Who is the best bowler on the Ducks roster? All right, I'll answer that one first. Um, I heard that Hampus Lindholm is a pretty damn good bowler. I've heard that from multiple accounts. You know, the Ducks, you know, they do go bowling once in a while. So I heard Lindholm's really good. As for the second question, (laughs) if Anaheim hockey players were to spend a relaxing off day at the bowling alley, would that be considered duck pin bowling? (laughs) All right, DC, that's that's a very funny question. You know, the Ducks, they do have an off day today. They are in eastern Canada. You know, there's a lot of duck pin bowling out in that part of Ontario. There's certainly duck pin bowling in Quebec because I've actually been out to Montreal. I've been to Centrebelle, one of my favorite cities of all time. They have duck pin bowling in Montreal. It's very, very classic. In Vancouver, they have five pin bowling. Just something in Canada where they have different variants of bowling that is not 10 pin bowling like we have here in the States. And I know the Northeast, they have their different variants as well. So that is the mailbag for today. Thank you all for asking some questions. I really appreciate it. And coming up, we're going to have... Actually, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to bring in Laura Saba right now in the middle of the second portion. And I'll keep her on for the third portion after the second intermission. So we're going to bring Laura Saba in right now. Right now, I'm joined by former co-champion of Hockey Jeopardy on this very podcast, Laura Saba. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to come back for a rematch whenever you want me on. Uh Uh-oh. Them's fighting words there. (laughs) Uh, First, let's talk about... Let's talk about last night's games. I talked about the Ducks already in their shootout victory, which was pretty thrilling. But I think the Canadians' shootout was a bit more thrilling and had a bit more, I guess, sauce to it. (laughs) 
Sauce is a good word. There was a lot of drama in that game. And uh, it, it started out, honestly, with the Canadians. It looked like they were dominating if you kind of looked at if you looked at the stats. But what they were doing was they were getting a lot of shots on goal from the perimeter and less in like, you know, proper shooting lanes. They weren't able to break that sort of defense at first at the beginning. And so they went down three nothing. And the first half of the game kind of looked like it was going to be something that we've been seeing a lot of this year as Canadians fans. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, before but before before the crowd or the fans got completely out of the game, <laughs> Yol Armia, you know, reversed everything back and sort of the game settled into what I thought should have happened because I truly think that the Canadians, even though they, they, they are struggling right now, they're in that mediocre, you know, not good enough to make the playoffs, not bad enough to get a lottery pick sort of, um, I guess, milieu. I still feel that they are better in terms of coaching and overall depth than the New Jersey Devils are. So they did come back. They scored four unanswered goals. And then you kind of saw the heat map change from where the... Um, the the shots were coming from and they were sort of able to get a lot of offense going but then New Jersey was able to tie the game and I don't care what people say like this three on three overtime has been so genius I know it's kind of it's it's a little bit annoying to when you're trying to decide a playoff race or standings but it made a game that I thought would have been dull all the way through become so exciting like it was just so good but the whole night, the New Jersey crowd was booing Ilya Kovalchuk yes. for very obvious reasons. And he kept trying. You could tell. You could tell what he was trying to do. He kept trying to silence them all throughout the game. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't, like, finish. And you could you could tell the frustration. You could tell the desire. You could, you could see it. And then finally, he was the only person that scored in the shootout. They only went three rounds. And it was a... <laughs> beautiful goal it just he made it look so easy and then he instead of like loudly celebrating exuberantly jumping around which he does do i mean he's you know he he, he in montreal he seemed kind of like like a kid with the way with the excited <laughs> way that he is it's instead he just quietly skated back to the bench and put up a finger to his lips as if to say be quiet and honestly you know we try like the, the more that I talk about the Habs, sort of the less, the more clinical I become, the less emotionally invested I am. And we kind of talked about it on, on our show, Locked on Canadians, uh, on, on the Wednesday episode recapping the game. You kind of get, you, you get out of it, but, you know, that sort of, it brought you back in. It, it gave me like a little bit of a thrill and I'm trying to imagine like the rest <laughs> of the fan base. They were probably screaming. <laughs> For the record, the Kings fans were kind of watching this going, really, that was the guy we had and where was this? Where was this energy <laughs> from Kovalchuk back when he was an LA King and now he's doing this to the Montreal fans. Can you imagine if Kovalchuk comes back to LA, the kind of reception he's going to get there? Oh no. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. There's a SoCal rematch coming up, I think, in March, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens. (laughs) Laura, can you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. I'm happy to. Oh, wonderful. That is awesome. We'll be back with myself and Laura Saba after the second intermission. Stay locked in. (music) 
welcome back to Locked on Ducks, where we are trying to collect the salty tears of LA Kings fans. <laughs> After watching that Kovalchuk silencer last night at the Prudential Center. How satisfying must that have been for several Canadians fans? That must have been very awesome. <laughs> I think so. It was, and specifically for him, too. I think that must have been so satisfying. I love athlete egos, and he must have really loved it. Exactly. Uh, Laura's here because our two teams are facing each other tomorrow night. The Habs and the Ducks are playing Thursday at Centre Bell at 7 o'clock local time, 4 o'clock Pacific time, which you can watch on some channel. I think it's Prime Ticket or Fox Sports. I'm not entirely sure. I'm stalling so I could look. It is Prime Ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What channel is it on in Montreal for those that are Canadian? So it's always on RDS, which is where I watch it. It's the French language channel. And then TSN gets some of the local broadcasts. I'll be really honest. I haven't looked at it because I always just watch the, T- the RDS broadcast. Oh, uh, uh, tu, tu pas français? Oui, bien sûr. <laughs> I am a Montrealer. Oh, duh, JD, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, speaking of that area, this is kind of going slightly off topic, but the AHL All-Star Game is coming to your area next year. Is it? It's coming. I had no idea. Coming. Is it in Laval? It is in Laval. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I will definitely go to that. Absolutely. I, Laval's a good time. It is. I recommend it. Uh, so what can Ducks fans know about Les Habs coming up on this Thursday night game? Probably not, not a lot more than they do now. The Canadians have had a an inconsistent year, to say the least, and it's been sort of they were having trouble defending, and then goaltending went into the toilet, and then that sort of righted itself, and then the offense, well, due to injuries mostly, but the offense went into the toilet, and they've had two eight-game losing streaks. But the, the problem with the Canadians is that the underlying numbers are so good night in and night out they they usually lose by a goal they'll lose you know they'll lose to teams that are inferior to them it's really hard to know what to expect and and so canadians fans haven't yet given up on the season even though making the playoffs is a complete long shot they i think they they can only afford to lose four more games total for the rest of the season in any fashion right and so it's it's a tall order to be honest and so I think the biggest thing that the Ducks can expect is that the Canadians are kind of their PK and their defensive coverage leaves a lot to be desired. Like if they get in your zone, forget about it. You're not getting out. But if you are able to gain the Canadian zone, you can expect like quite a bit of time in there. You know what I mean? Maybe the Ducks have a snowball's chance and you know what to actually score a power play goal because the Ducks, guess what? They're dead last in power play percentage now. It's that bad. It's awful. (laughs) We did talk about the New Jersey game. So going into the game, the New Jersey power play, power play was ranked 27th in the league. And in on the night, they got two power play goals in five chances. So it's not. Yeah. 
I, you know, the, the whole, so you're saying there's a chance, I'm saying there's a pretty big chance. So before last night's game, the Ducks were 29th in power play percentage, Ottawa was last. Ottawa scored two power play goals last night, and the Ducks scored none, as per usual recently. And the Ducks <laughs> plummeted all the way to 31st, even past the Detroit Red Wings. That's how bad the power play is. Uh, there's one person I want to talk about. He got his first win of the season last night, and that Looked like it was a thrill for him. Charlie Lindgren got his first win of the season for the Canadiens. He looked ecstatic after that victory. Uh, talk to me about oh, absolutely. Charlie. <laughs> absolutely. Well, there's something that I want to say that Arpen Basu of The Athletic pointed out. He got his first win of the season, and he is tied for second <laughs> on the Canadians. So that's kind of how that's been. And, and a running theme that we've had this Wait, year really? uh, has been... Yes, absolutely. Uh, and well, they've had they've played four goaltenders, obviously. So they've got you know Carey Price has whatever wins they have, and then I think all the backups each have one. We've got Caden Primo, we've got Keith Kincaid, and we've got Charlie Lindgren. Bless his soul. And so Aww. that's I think that's a very that's a very telling statistic. And uh, Charlie, uh, a running theme of this year has kind of been that Canadians need to upgrade and backup. And the idea is that Charlie Lindgren and Caden Primo are supposed to stay in the AHL and um, develop, I guess, their game as much as possible. Caden Primo had so much success last year. Uh, or I think throughout, basically throughout his career before he got drafted. And so he's kind of considered a uh, blue chip prospect. So Charlie Lindgren is kind of uh, not floating around. Like he is established as like the Laval goaltender, but anytime the Canadians uh, have called him up, I think he's been happy to sort of answer the call. And in this case, it was a freak sort of like there's a flu going around the team. The Canadians canceled practices. They canceled team meetings. They left uh, they left Carey Price in Montreal when they went to New Jersey. That's how bad it's been. And not only that, like Jeff Petrie had a four point game against Florida on Saturday, but Two days before that, his wife had to run his kids to the emergency room. Like twice, she went to the emergency room twice. So there's a lot of illness going around. And and wow. so Charlie Lindgren, I mean, if if he, he's already been uh, sent back down to Laval, but you know the Canadians called on him, and he seemed. It seems like he was a little bit shaky at first, but really, if you look a little bit closer. Uh, like the the goals that New Jersey did score, well, first of all, you know, two two of their goals were on the power play, but also he was solid in the shootout. He was great. Like he had he he made he made saves that look easy, which is great. And then he was just so happy, and it's gonna it's gonna do wonders for his confidence. I think. So, who should the Ducks expect to see on Thursday night? Should they expect to see Carey Price back in net? I think yes. So at the moment, that's the way it's trending. So I, I have to ask this final question because Carey Price, you said, has played the majority of games. Do you think there's a possible concern for overuse with Carey Price this season? Oh, of course. It's uh, I think the last couple of years, it's become really clear when he was younger and he likes playing a lot of games. When he was younger, he can handle it. The plan going into this um into this season was for Keith Kincaid to play a lot more games, but he struggled coming out of the gate quite a bit. And so Carey Price ended up playing the majority of the games. He did not have a good November, but he kept insisting on playing and the team kept letting him. I, I understand he's the star player. He's the highest paid. He's kind of the face of the franchise. Right. But at some point, you know, a goaltender like the wrong side of 30, you got to talk to him and you got to like 
sit him down. And so he's 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 definitely played too much this season. And so, you know, the last few years and definitely next year, they really, really the the the, the idea that they need to upgrade in backup really needs to be taken a little bit more seriously if the Canadians are going to make the playoffs and also have success in the playoffs because you would expect that Carey, Carey Price would play the entire playoffs. And I, I, it sounds like the Canadians are really trying to push for a playoff spot even though they're out by a few points. They're really pushing for that right now, aren't they? Unlike, say, the Ducks. <laughs> well, we, we talked about it a little bit once it became clear that the Canadians making the playoffs would be such a long shot. There's, there are a lot of things at play. So the first thing is you kind of, you have to convince your coaching staff to tank. That's not going to happen. You know, they're not wired that way. You have to convince your players to tank. They're not wired that way. Not at all. And you have to, yeah. And, and so, and not only that, but if you do tank, like there's no guarantee that you are going to win a lottery pick because if you look at the teams right now that are ahead of them in the tank battle, there's no way they're beating Detroit. (laughs) There's no way they're overtaking Ottawa. That's just not going to happen. They've got L.A., you know, and and even the Ducks, I would say, they have a much better shot at a lottery pick. So there's no guarantees even if you do tank. And really, the only way to successfully tank is to trade away good players, not have any good players on your roster, and just kind of like, you know, send it out there as is. And the Canadians can't afford to do that because they've got players like Nick Suzuki that they're trying to develop. They've got players like Ryan Paling that they're trying to develop. They sent Kotkaniemi down, but, you know, the plan is for him to develop as well. They can't really get rid of, you know, they can't really get rid of good players. They can they can switch out their bottom six and then just get, like, another bottom six. But given that this team has, like, their strong suit for the last few years has been their bottom six, I don't even think that they're inclined to do that either. They've got they've got some players that they are that that they could trade like Jeff Petrie and Tatar, but I would think they would want them for next year because the assumption is they're going to do better next year. Right. So really, like, there's no like it's not it's not that they don't want to tank. It's that it's just not a feasible option. So the team has decided. The players have decided. There's no quitting them. What did you call it? The tank battle, by the way. Yeah, I did. Yes, it's a tank battle. <laughs> I unfortunately might have to use that more and more this season because they're not going to tank worse than the, the Ducks. I don't think the Ducks are in full tank mode. The Kings certainly are, are in full tank mode right now, just for the record. And Ottawa, if they lose to the Ducks. E. Well, the thing that I found out yesterday when I was trying to figure out how bad New Jersey was at the power play before, you know, before recording... I found out that Detroit has given up 11 shorthanded goals in the power play. And so for the Ducks to be ranked below them in the power play, even though <laughs> Detroit has given up 11 goals, I think it's quite an accomplishment. So maybe like, maybe they are. They've got a pretty good shot. Exactly. All right. Well, Laura, thank you for coming on once again and talking about the Canadiens. Once again, that game is Thursday night at Centre Bell. Uh, Laura, where can everyone find you? And if you want, say it in French, just to give our <laughs> crowd some international flavor. Well, vous pouvez me trouver um, sur Locked On Canadians. Um, sur Twitter, c'est LO underscore Canadians. Puis mon nom sur, sur, sur Twitter, c'est The Active Stick. Ooh, très bien. <laughs> I still love that nickname, by the way. The Active Stick? The Active Stick. I've loved that since I'm I heard it. I'm so happy that I've been around long enough to be the first one to claim it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyone can find me at LO underscore Ducks and follow me personally at StimpyJD and I thank you guys for your um, mailbag comments. (laughs) 
that I had to answer earlier. Thank you for that. <laughs> I did get a silly question, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was that kind of night. And you can listen to all the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can look up Locked On Ducks. You can look up Locked On Canadians. They do a fantastic job there as well. Uh, Laura, once again, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yep. And you got to defend your Jeopardy crown at some point, as you said. Anytime. Yep. (laughs) For Locked on Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, and that was Laura Saba saying have a great hump day. I'll see you at the arena, and stay cool, Anaheim.